Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Oh, yeah, the little Bearmeister. I can't say his name without saying it in that accent. I don't know what it is, but it's, yeah, Paulie Bearmeister. I don't know. It's like I'm from Jersey, and that's how people would say his name. So, Well, it, it's, better, it's better than your Italian accent. That's for It's sure. a Paulie Bearmeister. <laughs> <laughs> yo, yo, what's up? Chris Sims here, and Paulie Bearmeister is. is right here next to me. It's like a double whammy, North Jersey, really. right? It's North Jersey, and, like, I had friends that were Paulie and they're mm-hmm. they're hey Paulie, what's going on, Paulie? Yeah. What are you doing today? Paulie's a good thing though. People Paulie's like, a good thing. My friends call me that, so that's uh, okay. Good. And it's nice. It's nice. Yeah, yeah a little yeah. little Jersey flavor. But uh, all right, we're gonna get after it. We're gonna talk about all things that went on in football this weekend. There's a lot to talk about. Mm-hmm. I mean, of course, the NFL draft, some trade news. We got some GM news. We're gonna kind of hit it all, and hopefully, we can please the audience with our brains and and Uh-oh. our ability to cover all Uh-oh. the topics. I don't know. We <laughs> will see. Uh, but either way, glad to have you. And it was a fun draft. I did enjoy it. I'm glad it's over. Right. I don't have to watch any more film of any other players or yeah. do any more evaluation. So that's always a big weight off my chest this time of the year. I'm uh, very excited. So Thursday, I know you watched it in Manhattan yep. with a number of uh, loyal viewers and listeners. Friday, yeah, where'd you take it? Oh, in? the best place possible. Home? On the couch, mm-hmm. feed up. Did you get left alone? Um, I, you know, to, to it, yes, because Friday night, I let my kid play video games. Mm-hmm. So it's Fortnite, and he just leaves me alone. My little girl, she gets on the computer, and all she wants to do is watch animal, uh, animal videos mm-hmm. and do all that kind of stuff. So I then get to go on the back porch, have some daddy cigars, and <laughs> enjoy watching the draft. And I watch just about every second of it Friday night. And Saturday, I was in and out, in and out, you know, yeah. playing catch with my son, baseball catch, played horse with the kids, come back you in let him and win? watch. Do you let him win? Uh, no. I don't. Yeah, no. I don't. One on one, I might let him win. Horse, mm-hmm. I'm not letting him win. No. <laughs> yeah, he's gonna have to. He's gonna have to earn that one. Well, sounds like you got left alone on Friday, which it, it's not always easy when when work is watching TV. Yeah. And whether it's your wife or your kids, uh, they may not understand the best. That you know what? I, I need to sit in front of the TV and work for three or four hours. Uh, it can turn into, can you do this? Can you jump on the trampoline? Yeah, can you run right, over here? right. So congratulations to you for Thank getting that Thank you. Done. I lay down the law usually when it comes to that kind of stuff. When it's they good. go, can we change this? And I go, no, this is why you have the computer you're watching right here mm-hmm. is because of this sport right here. And this is daddy's job. So no, you can't change it. Aside from being left alone and, and being allowed to watch the draft yeah. on Friday at your house, you're going to remember this draft most 
I'm going to remember this draft most. One, because uh, a team with the number one pick who had a quarterback drafted at number 10 the year before took another quarterback at number one. Unbelievable, right? right? So that's yeah. still unbelievable. Yeah. I, we can't forget that. Number two will be the amount of defensive players taken, especially at the top part of the first round. Mm -hmm. I think that is certainly another thing I look at and just go, wow. And then um, – you know, other than that, I think those are the big ones. Maybe if I had to say one-third theme that, like, maybe popped out to me is the fact we talked about this a little on Friday. Just lack of wide receivers and DBs at the end of the first round. So rare in this day and, and running age. Backs. The NFL, and running backs. Yep. The NFL passing league right now. The spread offense. And uh, I don't think, you know, too many teams – Messed up. It's the it's the time of optimism. Do you normally feel that way on a Monday after a draft? I do. I do usually look at it and go, what the hell were they thinking? Mm -hmm. These were horrible picks, or they didn't address these needs. You don't have that today? But no, one of the things, the first things I did Sunday morning was I sat down, I was drinking my cup of coffee, and I was like, you know what? I'm gonna I wanna sit here and write a note about all 32 teams in the draft. And yeah, maybe some didn't wow me like, oh, wow, what a great draft. Mm -hmm. But I was never like, man, this was the dumbest fucking thing I've seen in a while. I, at no point, I, I really thought, you know, teams did, for the most part, address their needs. And uh, it was it was a very interesting draft as far as some of those mid rounds and the players that were drafted uh, in those mid rounds. So let's start right there. Yeah. I think some people, when you talk about writing down the question, what were they thinking here, especially with the quarterback, would have expected you to include the Giants and Dave Gettleman. Yeah, sure. Taking Daniel Jones at six. And right. I know you didn't love him as a player. Right. Uh, like many people, you wondered about taking him that high. Yep. You've had three days to think about right. it. Right. What's your feeling on how it all went down and the fact that he is now the Giants' future? Okay, it, it is. I have a lot of feelings that have come about throughout the weekend. Um, I think the first thing is, hey, of course, yes, I don't believe he was worth the number six pick of the draft. Like I said on Friday, I'm going to restate it one more time. But, if you, but I'm not mad at the Giants for taking a guy that they believe was the future of their franchise at number six. You know, I'm not going to sit here and go, oh, they should have waited at 17. They could have got him at 17. You know, maybe they could have, maybe. And it certainly seems like this now in the aftermath that, yes, they probably could have. But you just don't roll the dice on a situation like that when you know he's the guy. Now, yes, uh, I, I think, first of all, the conversation around this guy is completely different if he gets drafted at 17 or if he gets drafted at the top of the second of the round where the New York Giants, uh, you know, had a pick there as well. I, I think, okay, then people are able to swallow it a little bit better and go, oh, okay, this guy, I like it. He mm -hmm. could be the future of this guy, huh? But at number six, people want sex appeal. And I think a lot of just even the normal fan watched the highlights of Daniel Jones on Thursday night and they just went, that doesn't look that special. Right. And I get that. I totally understand that. This is where I want everybody to pump their brakes, though, okay? Let's, like, not just eviscerate the fucking kid, okay, before he even takes a snap at Give practice. Give him a chance. Give him a chance. Right. Yes. And I'd like to point out, there's been worse first-round picks a quarterback than Daniel Jones. There's a lot of things I like about what he does mm -hmm. to translate to being a franchise quarterback. Who comes to mind? You said there's been a lot of worse first-round picks. Okay, well, hey, this one is always going to be at the top of my Blake Bortles at number three. Yeah. Okay, I'll take Daniel Jones 365, 24-7, seven days a week, twice on Sunday, mm -hmm. over Blake Bortles at three. Christian Ponder, okay. <laughs> Blaine Gabbert. All, yeah, same draft. Yes. Yeah. Jake Locker, I think, is what? Maybe the draft Locker, before Locker, Gabbert, that? Ponder, I think, was, was, it was all the same. All yeah. the same. Okay, yeah. so there's what? 
I, I at the time did not have Johnny Menzel as a first-round quarterback. Uh, if anybody goes back and watches anything I did during that time, I have a lot. I feel better about Daniel Jones' future in the NFL than I did better than D- Johnny Menzel, yeah. who got picked at 22. Okay, Paxton Lynch, feel better about that. Wow. Tim yeah. Tebow, okay. Again, I'm all day I'm taking Daniel Jones. I mean, Tim Tebow was drafted, why? Because of his team around him and the team had success. And for some reason, some people wanted to give him the credit for everything that went on in Florida. You know, I'll even go as far as saying Teddy Bridgewater at 32. I mean, I think Daniel Jones is a better prospect than all of these guys. Okay. Now, having said that, I understand that people are going to go, but you had Jared Stidham and Ryan Finley in front of him. I think all of them are better than all the guys I just mentioned too. Right. Jared Stidham had a chance to maybe come out two years ago and was viewed as a first-round pick. Why? Because his team was good. You know, Drew Locke, the same thing. You know, two years ago, he comes out when he leads college football with touchdown passes. You know, he's going to be a first-round pick. Now he go- And then a new coach comes in. He's part of a shitty offense, and his stats don't look the same, and the team doesn't win, and his value gets mm-hmm. knocked down. So there's a lot of things I like about Daniel Jones. I do think we need to give him a chance. We are being right? a little overly critical. Of course. Yeah. I think so, too. Yeah. And I, I think once we get away from the fact that everybody wanted to talk about on draft night, he wasn't worth a pick that high. Right. Let's get over that, just like you've pointed out. Yep. And I think it's good context to say there are a number of other quarterbacks in the last five or six years that you feel were worse picks. Definitely. Getting past it, I think, I think he walks into a great situation, too. Mm-hmm. If he is the, uh, the intellectual, cerebral quarterback that they loved about him, if that is indeed true, yes. is there a better situation than walking in and learning from uh, a super smart, uh, kind quarterback? Right. He can learn from him. He's yes. not under any pressure to play right away so putting aside the 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 criticism that came out right away I don't know if a quarterback recently has ended up in a better spot in terms of what he's best at supposed to be a super smart guy yep not going to have to play right away. Right. He can learn from one of the best pros in the last 10 years. Yeah, exactly. And a guy that's got very little ego in Eli Manning, is a good team guy, has all those things that you like uh, as far as being that mentor-type quarterback. Uh, Paul, I think it's a very good point you bring up. It's a great situation for him. I mean, yeah. it's really, yes, a no-lose situation. As long as he doesn't let you know assholes like me and everybody in the media <laughs> who said it was a bad pick at number six get him down. Don't listen to anybody but like But a lot us. of people aren't coming off of that. You're, you're not coming off the point that, hey, I didn't love this kid in the draft, yes. now that we've stated that, let's get beyond it and think about some some next-level portions of this conversation. Yeah, too. exactly right. Let's move on. Yeah, I don't think he was worth the number six pick of the draft. If he was taken at 17, I still probably would have given some pushback. Yes, I would have, but I understand what they saw and what they see as far as a guy that could be the future of their organization. Hey, he's big. His arm is good. It's not great. I wish he would fix a few things mechanically. He is a good athlete. But number one, yes, it seems like they drafted him more on his smarts and his intangibles, Mm -hmm. ability to process, make decisions in the pocket, pick up an offense quickly. And to to what you said, there is no pressure on him. Uh, He's in a situation where it's great. Two, this is a team that's rebuilding their offense, and it's, it's becoming a very quarterback-friendly personnel group. I know Odell Beckham Jr. is not there, but having Sterling Shepard and Evan Ingram and some of the other weapons they have and getting a Zeitler at guard and, you know, another guard in the draft last year and Nate Solder at left tackle and Saquon Barkley at tailback, there's a lot of positive things about this. And here's the other thing that's added to this. You know, Daniel Jones, the number six pick of the draft, first off, Eli Manning, as you, as you heard me state before, hey, yeah, he's towards 
towards the bottom of football as starting quarterbacks, if not outside the starting 32. I mean, I could sit here. And, really? Outside well, 32? I think there's a few backups that I could come up with and go, yeah, I think they're a little better than Eli Manning at this point of his career. It doesn't mean you can't win with Eli Manning. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't mean to do that personally to Eli Manning, but it is year, what, 15, 16? So that conversation comes into play at this time of, the, this time of your career. But I think the thing I would say, uh, too, Daniel Jones is going to go out in the practice field, mm-hmm. and the first time they see him next to Eli Manning, he's going to open eyes because they're going to go, wow, he's as big as Eli. Yep. Whoa, he's a lot faster than Eli. They're going to go, whoa, his arm's stronger than Eli. Mm-hmm. And from that standpoint, he's in a very positive spot, too, to where he can kind of go in and not only be the young six-pick of the draft guy, but he's going to be able to puff out his chest and be like, right. I'm the big arm guy here. I'm the big athlete guy. And that goes to selling the player to your team as well. As for being that six-pick, one of the conversations that has developed uh, from that selection, Dave Gettleman has come out and said, I knew for a fact that some other teams wanted him before 17 because he was asked, obviously, why didn't you just wait till 17 to take him? And people now want to take shots and say, how did you know that? You didn't know that. My thought is we don't know what he was told. So you can't call him a liar. You can't say, oh, that was great information, too. We don't know what he knew. If you're a Giants fan, go ahead and trust him that this was my guy and I was worried that he wouldn't be there at 17. That's right. You trust him. Trust the Giants that they've made the proper evaluation. Again, I'm not going to get mad at a team for drafting a guy who they think is the guy, mm-hmm. even though I don't agree with it. I, you know, listen, I'm not going to sit here and be narcissistic Chris and think I know every answer in the world. That's not true. I could be very wrong about this whole thing, and I will admit it when that day comes. Now, David Gettleman, I think where he's wrong there is the way he phrased it. Don't say, I know for a fact. Because that's what does, what happens when you say, I know for a fact. Everyone looks in and goes, well, let me see if this is a fact. <laughs> and all of a sudden, Peter King writes an article, you know, Football Morning in America, and he tells us the team that we thought was one of the fact teams had Drew Locke as their number one rated quarterback. So that right away, and it doesn't mean there's still not two other teams that right. he's respect. Right. He just shouldn't have said fact. He should have just said, I know there was at least two teams that were very interested in quarterbacks and like Daniel Jones, mm-hmm. and I didn't want to risk it. I think that's where he got himself in trouble is the way he states his case there yeah. to now for all of us to go, it's, well, we don't know for a fact. Nobody easy. knows anything for a fact. Easy to understand why he was feeling defensive, though. Yeah, I get it. Those totally. kind of things come out. And he did a lot of other good things in the draft. So I think, you know, as much as, you know, we want to pile on Dave Gettleman, okay, uh, Dexter Lawrence was a great pick. Um, Julian Love is a great pick. Uh, the kid they got from Old Dominion, uh, O'Shane, I can't even say his name, Ximons or whatever. Ziminens, thank <laughs> you very much. I think he is a phenomenal football Julian player. Julian Love in the fourth, you mentioned his name, but didn't you think he was worth a, a second round I pick? did, yeah, yeah, I really did. Yeah. If, if you told me the first pick of the second round was Julian Love and not Byron Murphy, yeah, I would have gone, like, yeah, okay. yeah, no problem. I got right. it. This is, they're very similar. You know, DeAndre Baker at the end of the first, listen, I, I know I've questioned that. But maybe they have a different plan for him. Like I've said, he's kind of a safety nickel type of guy. Mm. So if he does that, I'm going to go, ooh, I like that pick. But if they put him outside and think he's going to be an island right. corner, then I'm going to go, ah, you got to prove it to me there first. But there's other things that are positive about this draft. And Dave Gettleman's not an idiot. I'm going to stick up for the guy a little bit right now. He is not an idiot. He knows how to build a football team. He's proven that. And he believes in big people up front and being physical. And he's already kind of set that that 
culture going here in New York with some of the moves he's made up front on both sides of the football. All right, just settling from a lot of these main quarterback topics that came up. Well, well, one thing, too, you know who got a free pass, too, with overdrafting a guy in the top ten? Who's that? Because of Daniel Jones is the number four pick, Colin Farrell. I mean, Mike Mayock came out and said they were trying to trade to 13 because right? they thought he would still be on the board there. Yeah. So, you know, they got a little overshadowed with that. But, again, if you got a guy and he's your guy, who's to say who's right or wrong with overdrafting, Right. I mean, as long as they turn out to be players, people are going to drop that overdrafting label if they can play. Exactly right. Like, yeah. are we, would we be mad if the Saints took Alvin Kamara at the top of the second round instead of the fourth round if they were convinced he was going to be the Alvin Kamara that he is? Worth a no, first round. Right, that's what I mean. So, you know, that's another conversation for another day. But if a team or, or an organization believes somebody's the guy, I don't get mad at them for taking a guy maybe 10 spots too early or 15 spots too early. That's clearly how the Giants felt uh, about Daniel Jones. Right. Staying with the quarterbacks, we talked about this a lot on Friday afterward. Yeah. I think we both kind of thought, how, how do the Cardinals, how do they still have Josh Rosen? Right. How do they not jettison him before the draft, during the draft, at least in round one? So now in the second round, they get a second round pick, a late second round pick from the Dolphins. Uh, he goes to what I think, again, is a fantastic situation uh, with um, – Ryan yeah. Fitzpatrick in right. front of him, yeah, right. there to play. Yep. If he's ready, he can play right away. Yep. If he's not, he can sit and watch. So the Arizona side of it or the Miami side of it, which side jumps out to you? Well, I think the Miami side jumps out more. I don't look at it as Arizona lost this by any way either. You know, I, first, let's hit on the, the Miami angle. The Miami, Miami angle is brilliant. I mean, one brilliant that, you know, they traded their mid-second round pick uh, to get trade down to where they got a second-round pick for next year, you know, was brilliant in itself. Really, the way that Miami has orchestrated this full offseason with getting rid of guys like Cam Wake and Robert Quinn, where they're paying part of their salary but acquiring draft picks has been very smart, very intelligent for team building. But I think the fact that they got a guy in Josh Rosen for, what was it, the 63rd pick in the second round? Yeah. And you got a full year just for the 63rd pick? To get a guy who was a top 10 pick, obviously has talent, has smarts, and you're going to get basically a tr full year trial period for the 63rd pick in the draft to see if this guy is the future of your franchise before you even have to get into the 2020 draft quarterback evaluations. How do we want to start manipulating so we can get the guy we want for that draft? They don't even have to worry about right. that right now. They can see what they got in Josh Rosen, and really he fits what they want to, how they want to play. This is New England Southeast. Mm -hmm. Brian Flores, Chad O'Shea was the wide receiver coach for New England. Now he's the O.C., they like guys like Rosen. He's like a Tom Brady in the aspect of he's going to sit there. He's going to be surgical with decisions he makes. He's going to be surgical with really accurate passes. And Rosen has a chance to solidify himself with good play and be the guy in Miami for years to come if he can prove it this year. I was kind of surprised that they got a second-round pick, even though it was a late second-round right. pick for him. Because, I mean, after what happened on Thursday, there was no more mystery. They, they didn't have plans for him. They didn't want him there. I thought they'd get – like a third or a fourth. So I'm pleasantly surprised for them yes. that they got that kind of value. I think so, too. I, I, I think that's why they probably didn't, like, throw a stink when Miami traded away that right. 48th pick to go to 63rd because they were probably like, all right, we'll take anything in the second round. We don't yeah. care. Second round's great for us. And, hey, what did they do, too? Within that, okay, one, they got rid of a situation that was going to be an annoyance. 
you know, and that's where I think you're talking about. Like they didn't have much leverage here. Right. You know, most it's gone. Teams, it's it's gone. I mean, you pick Kyler Murray and you know most teams know they want to get rid of Josh of Rosen as much as they say they all were willing to keep him for now. Nobody wants to have to deal with that. The first day in the locker room, it's, hey, Kyler, what about Josh Rosen right down there? Hey, Josh Rosen, what about Kyler Murray right down there? Hey, Cliff Kinsbury, you're a new coach. How are you doing with these two coaches, these right? two quarterbacks? Like, nobody wanted to deal with that. So yeah. good for them for getting rid of him. And then in turn, they get Danny Isabella. I mean – uh, a, a Wes Welker for yeah. their offense, basically. Wes played with Cliff Kingsbury in that Texas Tech offense. That's what Isabella is going to be. I mean, he is perfect for that. He is what I call a white boy supreme. I mean, <laughs> there's just not a lot of white people that can move and are as quick as fast as that little fucker is. Right. But he's perfect for that offense as a slot receiver. He was productive against the best teams on that schedule as well. He Oh, he definitely was. Like when they played Georgia yeah. in college and stuff. Yeah. Yes, no, this is a player that belongs. Uh, I thought it maybe be the top of the third he went somewhere in there I think when you asked me last week but I get it I mean he fits a need for that football team and hey Arizona quietly has had a good free agency and I thought had a very good draft with addressing a lot of needs uh, in this draft look at the quarterback makeup in the AFC East right now and the uh, the difference in the variety right now you're talking about eventually Ryan Fitzpatrick will probably start for a while but right. Pretty soon, in the near future, it's going to be three quarterbacks from the class of last year. You're going to have Josh Rosen, yeah. Josh Allen, right. and Sam Darnold, and Tom Brady in his 40s. Three, three top ten picks who are babies against the, the old goat. Who yeah. Is the, yeah, I mean, it is actually fascinating. And I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to push back on what you just said there, too. I think Rosen's going to beat Fitzpatrick out. Day one? I do. I think day one. I think he's an extremely smart kid from everything I've heard. Uh, and as long as he can take a little tough criticism mm -hmm. from the New England crowd that's going to be down there, because it's not, it's going to be a different, it's going to be culture shock right. to him a little. Right. Where last year when he missed a throw, they would have been like, well, you know, you, we drafted you number 10. It's all right. Hey, we'd like you to make that throw. Yeah. You know, now with the New England regime, you miss a throw where a guy's wide open, they're like, what the fuck? How yeah. do you miss that throw? And then they're going to show like some slappy on film and go, look, he didn't miss this throw. How'd course, you miss this right? throw? So if you can have that thick skin, He's can prove to them, I think, in a hurry that he's worthy of being the starter there. And think about the dynamic that he'll walk into in that room. We talked about Daniel Jones with Eli Manning, but yeah. Ryan Fitzpatrick, of course, probably thinking he's going to start. But if he does get beat out, seems to me like the kind of guy that's going to be a super help, uh, an asset, a resource, a mentor to him whenever that, time's com uh, that time comes in the meeting room. I do, I do think so, yeah. I mean, Fitzpatrick. What a bonus. Yeah, no, it is. It's a bonus. It's a bonus to see how guys like that approach the game on a weekly basis, how they approach it in the offense season, the little tricks of the trade of what they do to prepare on a nightly or daily basis. Who was the best veteran for you that way? Oh, gosh. I mean, Brad Johnson was pretty damn good. I'll tell you who else was really good was um, Jim Miller. You remember Jim Miller yeah. for the Chicago he was Bears? A, he played at Michigan State when I was at Iowa. So okay. I, I've so known he, him for a long time. Right. So Jim was a, a part of a Tampa team I was, and we were roommates at training camp one year. And I remember, I, you know, I'm a rookie. And I'm coming into the room at night and, you know, I've been playing cards with the guys for an hour yeah. or so after we get done with meetings, let's play some cards, whatever. And I walk in the room and Jim Miller would be sitting there playing in his playbook. Mm. And I remember going, wait, this guy's like old veteran over here and he's reading his playbook. I better step my game up here if he's yeah. doing this. And I don't know crap yet and I can't even spit out some of these plays. I better up my <laughs> level. And I know that was something that jumped out to me. As long as we're telling Jim Miller stories, yeah. we were at the Big Ten kickoff lunch and way back when, 25, 26 years right. ago, we're talking about different kind of drinking rules that we had during the week. You know, where you can go, what you can do. Uh, I said, you know, only Saturday nights. It's only okay with, with our senior class. You can go out Saturday night, whatever. 
what's the deal at Michigan State? Jim goes, well, it's pretty easy. If we go to a bar on Tuesday night and the coaches are there, we have to leave. <laughs> if they come after we're already there, then we have to leave. Wow. So Jim grew up quite a bit by the time you got to I guess so. That was a lot more advanced. Michigan State, Michigan State, a little different. Apparently, yeah. yes, a lot different than my Texas. I know that. Thinking about your quarterback days yeah. uh, in Tampa, right. there was a tweet that came out this weekend that's probably worth taking a look at for everybody with us here uh, on YouTube. Okay. Bruce, Grad Bruce Gradkowski oh. came out and said, love draft time. Makes me think about how <laughs> tough uh, Coach Gruden was on Chris Sims all those years. Yes. Uh, good Isn't old it nice that people can have a laugh at your expense? De all definitely. All these years later? It's, it's, uh, it's an actual constant theme of, you know, my podcast, really, whether I've had – you know, the Rondé Barbers of the world on, the John Lynch's, the Tim Browns. Uh, at some point, they've made a reference to <laughs> Gruden was a little unfair and is criticizing of me. Yeah. And uh, I think Bruce was referring that too. But again, even though with the tweet and the picture of us, damn, I'd still sign up and go yeah. get my ass chewed out by Gruden right now if I could go back in time and do it. NFL Films had that, and they've played it so many times. Yes, they when, have. When you were mic'd up, or, or maybe maybe he was mic'd no, up. No, yeah, it was, uh, it was me. It was all the quarterbacks. Okay, it was you. All the quarterbacks. I was a rookie, so I had a list of plays that only I had to worry about, right? Yeah. Here are your 20 plays, Chris. Worry about this. He threw me in a part of practice where it was supposed to be Brad Johnson getting the reps, okay? Yeah. And... I didn't practice this saying this all night and all mm -hmm. this play. So when he went west, right, F, left, 372, Y, stick, Z spot, I just couldn't spit it right. out. And I wasn't prepared. And he knew he was messing with me. Because he's in, excuse me, in the background with Brad Johnson telling him, oh, watch this, we're going to get him. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, a few chuckles at my expense there, and I choked it off big when, time. When I first got to NFL Network, yeah. I worked out of NFL Films. Right. I, I think that shooting had just happened maybe the year before. This is 2004. Yeah, so, so that was that 2003. Happened. It was. Okay. Yeah. So I saw the, the long, uncut version of that. So what, what, what we've all seen on ESPN NFL Network is entertaining and a little bit harsh. Right. I watched that thing for 20, 25 minutes, man. That was hardcore. It's hardcore. You came out of it very well. Thank you. After practice, you were talking to the other quarterbacks and laughing about it and kind of you know shaking your head. All right, that's bit. good. At least I didn't come you, off like a total jerk. Yeah, hey, listen. You took it very well. Some of those I plays, impressed. I mean, hey, I'd like some of those public out there. You repeat some of those damn plays. <laughs> right, Stop right. right tight, shift a weak right tight, Y right, H3, X, bingo, Y smash on one. Just you getting know? out of the huddle. Yeah, just yeah, getting out of the huddle. It's a victory. I, exactly. I'd get yeah. out of the huddle and go, what the hell did I just say? I Hold know, on, right? let me just figure out this play as I'm walking to the line of scrimmage. And now you have to know how to execute it I, if you want right, to the line of scrimmage. Right. No. Yep. Damn near impossible. Yep. Next quarterback story from the draft, yep. Drew Locke, Broncos uh, in round two. When you think about this, are, are you, you thinking about Joe Flacco? You thinking about John Elway continuing to look for that next quarterback? Drew Locke in round two, your mind goes where? Yeah, mine goes uh, poor Joe Flacco because yeah. he probably got done with round one. When At least when Denver picked, he was like, whew, I made it. Yeah, right. And then he was probably going, please, somebody pick Drew Locke before we pick again in the second round. So I did feel for him. Uh, I also thought, I think the next thing I thought of, very early on, Elway was linked to Drew Locke. Mm -hmm. Even before the Senior Bowl, there was a lot of rumors out there that Elway had his eye on Locke and really loved him. And then I heard even more that at the Senior Bowl, when Locke you know, had a few, was really the star of the week of practice, that Elway was very hot on Drew Locke and what he does. Uh, yes, as you know, I love Drew Locke. You know, to me, this is one of my issues with scouting and everything that goes with it all together. I think Drew Locke was certainly a first-round talent. I think it was a weird year because there was only a certain amount of teams that really wanted a quarterback. Uh, so that played into it as well. You know, I think Drew Locke also, people look at some of the 
rawness of his film from last year. There's some head-scratching interceptions and decisions. Or people will go, oh, his footwork isn't that great, and that concerns me. You know, and to me, that's where the over-evaluating goes, where we go too much of the team and too much of the issues with the team are put on the quarterback. And I just, again, would like to remind everybody, Patrick Mahomes is 5-7 and seven his senior year in college. Mm. Tell me how that's worked out so yeah. far. Yeah. Right. You know, John Elway was 3-8 and eight his last year at Stanford. Was he Tell really? Yeah. Tell me how that worked out. So the team freaking, my dad was 3-7 and seven at Moorhead State his senior year, was the number seven pick of the draft. But I've just, to, to me, that's what bothers me about the Drew Locke conversation. And I've had this conversation with some of my friends around the NFL. Don't you worry about his footwork? And I want to go, yeah, okay. But the kid's not stupid. Like, he's not a dumb kid. So he, he's going to go, the coach is going to go, take seven and take a hitch. And he's going to go, okay, I count to seven and take a hitch. He's going to figure it out. And my next point to all my friends that would always say that, I was go, well, yeah, but so two years ago when he was on a better football team at Missouri and he had a better offensive coordinator around him, we didn't have any of these issues. So don't tell me coaching doesn't matter. I mean, of course coaching matters. We just saw a guy pick the number six, and mm -hmm. the first thing we heard about was yeah. the coaching all the time. Right. So that's what bothers me about that whole conversation. But I do think Denver got the man of the future for Drew Locke. What changes with the expectations for him going in round two as opposed to round one? Yeah, I think it just takes the public expectations away. And I think it maybe takes some, some of the pressure off of Joe Flacco there a little bit too, where he's going to feel like, okay, second round pick, there's not going to be this public outcry to get this guy on the field right now. we got to see what this star is, just like with Lamar Jackson last year. You know, I think that now he can go, okay, you know, yeah, this guy's here. It's kind of annoying, uh, and I know I still got to play good, but I don't think the first interception he throws, the fan base is going to be like, get us Drew Locke. You right. know, that would have been different if they picked Drew Locke at number 10. Totally, then it's, yeah. Then it's going, we want the future now. Which is the pick they initially had. Which is the pick they initially had and traded down, yes. In a way, is it almost better for the player? In this situation to go in round two? I, I don't think there's a lot. Of, only thing that's bad is, yeah, you're not going to get paid the amount of money. But the good, the positive thing, though, is, yes, there's not the pressure on you to perform right off the bat. The other positive thing for the players, you're a free agent after year four. You know, where if you're a first-round pick, they got the fifth-year player option and all those things, too. So those are the positives for the player. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a believer. And I really look at this Drew Locke thing. And again, Rick Scangarello, who's there, who came, comes from Kyle Shanahan's offense, it reminds me of a very Jay Cutler, Mike Shanahan fit that they had there early on in the Denver years. And of course, he got traded away when Josh McDaniels took over. But similar skill set, I think that's what they probably liked about that offense. Scangarello's going to run an offense similar to Kyle Shanahan in San Francisco. And they need a guy that can move and is athletic and runs boots and can throw 40-yard lasers when he's on the run. And a lot can do that. John Elway keeps looking for his guy. Yeah. How many more times is he going to get? I think he got it this time. Yeah. I think this is the time. And I'm not going to get mad at him at Paxton Lynch. Hey, I, I'll, I'll sit here, full transparency. I thought Tra Patrick Pax Paxton Lynch was going to work out as the end of the first round pick that yeah. year. He missed. So what? Okay. Right. You know, again, John Elway is being a little too harshly criticized for his quarterback views. I get it. I know he missed on that. And I know Brock Osweiler wasn't pretty. But damn, he did get Peyton Manning there. They did go to two Super Bowls with Peyton Manning there. And the, the list of free agents and players that he's drafted to build those teams is pretty extraordinary. So I, I think we're all a little critical of Elway, in my opinion. But I, I think there's, there's valid criticism there. You look but at they, the history. You give him a pass for Paxton Lynch. Yeah. A, a lot of people yeah. don't really want to. Right. Um, he continued. They, they brought in Case Keenum. 
They bring in Joe Flacco. They get another quarterback in round two. So Peyton Manning worked out well. Yep. But besides that, I, it's, it's pretty fair to question. No, I, I get it. I, I, I understand the question. I, okay, I get it. But there's still, you know, again, people are going to miss at the quarterback situation from time to time. And he tried to put a Band-Aid on it last year with Case Keenum and just try to make it work. He didn't like the way it went down. He mm. moved on. The one thing I give Elway a lot of credit for is he never, like, second guesses himself or tries to make a bad decision work. Like, he recognizes, okay, Moves it's not going to work with, Ke- uh, with, you know, Keenum. You know, chips in the table with the next guy. We're trying to win it this year. And I respect that about his game. Other quarterbacks moving on past the uh, bigger name guys in yeah. the earlier rounds. Will Greer, Panthers, Round three. Yeah, I think the Will Greer, Carolina Panthers, I think is, is drafted clearly as the backup. I know, you know, people were going, well, why did the Panthers GM even have to come out and justify this? Because people were talking about Will Greer as being a top, you know, maybe a first rounder, a second round pick. Greer, to me, is the ultimate case of a guy that's not threatening to the starting quarterback. And he's going to get on the field. Everyone's going to go, well, it's not a great arm. It's not a great athlete. Cam Newton's the man. Right. And let's move on. And I think that's what that was. We're going to wor- work through these quickly. Okay. Ryan Finley, Bengals round four. Ooh, like the pick a lot. I mean, I thought the Bengals would need, need to be in the quarterback combo to a degree. Again, uh, with their new head coach. Um, Zach Taylor. Zach, thank you very much for call, helping me there. Similar offense to a Kyle Shanahan or a McVay. So they want a quarterback that's athletic. Finley is a very good athlete. Throws the ball on the run very good. And I think is going to give – Open up some eyes in training camp versus Andy Dalton because he's physically every bit as good, if not better. What a great situation. Round four, not a lot right? of pressure. Great pro in front of him. A brand-new head coach who you yeah. know was in on the picks. So, yes, exactly. Uh, that one lines up pretty well. Right. Also in round four to the Patriots, another quarterback you liked a lot, Jared Stidham. Love him. I mean, again, I'll go back to what I said with Drew Locke. Again, I think a lot of the team struggles were thrown on Jared Stidham's plate for what happened at Auburn. You know, two years ago, Jared Stidham almost thinking about coming out, and everyone's going – this guy's a first-round pick. Then he stays in school. He plays in front of the worst offensive line I saw on film, and their offense stunk, and he had no help, and all of a sudden he's a fourth-round pick. When I want to go, mm, I see Tony Romo. I see a guy that I would say is more physically gifted than Jimmy Garoppolo coming out in the draft. That's what I would tell you right there. I think, the, I mean, the freaking New England Patriots, yeah, they got a chance for this guy to be the guy at some point. Good athlete, moves, strong arm. Uh, I, I really think it was an unbelievable pick for the fourth round. We've talked a lot about how some of these young quarterbacks, these picks line up very well with what appears to be a great mentor in the building they can learn from a later round pick. They're not under a lot of pressure. You've been in that building. How do you think Tom Brady will be with him? Yeah, I, Brady is great. I mean, first of all, he's a great teammate. He's not going to sit there and babysit the kid, but he's certainly going to ask, a, a, answer any question the kid has, tell him maybe what his thought process is. I think Tom Brady's at a point of his career where, he, I mean, come on, he's the freaking man. He knows he's he knows he is, uh, and he'll be as helpful as he can to the guy. But he's not going to be like, hey, hey, come over here and let's do this and do that. Like if the guy wants to tag along, that's cool, and he'll teach him a few tricks. But he's not going to babysit him because Brady is the ultimate competitor and he's still worried about himself and himself wanting to play well to lead the team and make the team win games but I think Brady will be fine in don't you role. think he's allowed to to be a little more helpful not babysit him yeah. but to, to be a little bit more the mentor role just emotionally and mentally since it's a fourth round pick as opposed to a second round yeah, pick? yeah it's a little less threatening does it change it a little it, bit? it does it changes the dynamic a little bit yes uh 
It does. But, you know, he's a psycho competitor. He's going to look at it the same, whether it's second or fourth. Much. Yeah, he's going to be like, I like you. I'll Ask me a question. I'll tell you. But don't think I'm going to tell you every trick in the world right now. Trace McSorley, Baltimore, round six. Ooh, I love this pick. Why? Because I really think McSorley is going to be Julian Edelman. That's what I look at. I don't. This has nothing to do with quarterback. And at the very least. They're going to let him fail in training camp or just move him there? I think they're just going to move him, I, I would imagine. One, they have RG3 as their backup. Mm-hmm. So he's just like Lamar Jackson. So they don't need the backup. I really think McSorley is going to be used as like a weapon. They're going to put him on the field, slot receiver. Oh, here's here's a reverse, you know, I'm going to toss it back to McSorley. McSorley's going to throw the ball down the field. I, I think he's going to be kind of that guy, like weapon X. Watch out. We don't know what he can do. A lot like the Patriots have seen. We've seen Julian Edelman. They throw wide receiver passes. He's the guy that throws it down the field, mm-hmm. does that stuff. I think that's the potential there uh, for the McSorley pick I liked. Eric DaCosta building around the specific talents of his quarterback. Yes, he is. He's building a team around the system and what they envision the offense to be, and I like that. Tyree Jackson, Bills, undrafted. I I mean, I thought maybe he'd go late because – you know, as I've said about this, and this is a guy that I said should move the tight end at the start of the app when the combine got over, you know, but I changed my tune a little as I watched more because there's a few throws every game where I said, whoa, what the, that was an amazing throw. Now, there was a few throws every game that were the opposite of that, too. I went, whoa, how can you throw the ball that bad? Mm-hmm. But I just like it. Hey, they're going to have the real scoop on this kid and what he is. And they got a guy like Josh Allen, who's a big athletic quarterback. And I think they're going to probably let this guy just sit on the back burner, not even play him in the preseason, put him on practice squad, and hope that maybe he develops into something You're not special. Play it might not. If they don't feel like – you don't want to throw them out there. They might not want them to have a roster spot, right? Because right. they're probably not going to be the backup this year. They got Derek Anderson. They're not going to want to put Tyreek Jackson and go, oh, if our starter goes down, we You're trust you, Tyreek. Yeah. Right. So they yeah. got to take that into account. And I would be scared that he would make a few plays in the preseason. There are teams that would go, whoa, that was pretty amazing. Oh, it's, it's time to cut your roster down to 53? Oh, he's available for 24 hours? We'll take him over here. Keep him on the roster. Or you keep them on the roster, but teams have a teams hard don't time do that. Anymore. Isn't that crazy? No, because nobody wants to waste an extra spot Third of the quarterback. Yeah. I know. So if he can d- contribute on special teams, maybe yeah. he will. But I think if not, don't show him in the preseason and keep him on the practice squad. It's amazing thinking about Buffalo, the quarterbacks. I remember watching you. Jim Kelly was dressed out for the game. Frank Reich was dressed out, and they had the uh, that Gail Gilbert. Was always dressed out for the games, always, too. I know. Never happens anymore. No, does not happen. Never, ever, ever. Yeah. All right, burning questions. I feel okay. like we should have some music Ooh, or something for here. So hot. All right, yeah. Ooh. Here we go. Veteran yeah. quarterback who should be most thankful for what his team did during the draft. Oh, okay. I think the first ones that jump out to my mind on that one, I mean, right, right off the bat. Yep. I, Lamar Jackson, does he count as a veteran? This is where I should have asked this before. He is not he a veteran. He does not a veteran, he's but a he should be happy. When he's young. He should be happy because they got I've got Baltimore Marquise right in front Brown. Of him. Yes, Marquise Marquee. Brown and Miles Boykin. So yep. I love that part of it. So he should be happy. I mean, come on, Russell Wilson. He should be happy. You got DK Metcalf at the end of the second round. And they were done there. Are you kidding me? Right. So that's one that I go right off the bat and just go phenomenal. Excuse me, I'm burping my coffee here. Um, <laughs> Second one I go to is Andrew Luck. I mean, Andrew Luck got Paris Campbell at the end of the second round. Right. I mean, a guy that he's going to be able to throw the ball three feet to and go, oh, he might run 70 more yards with it. That's pretty good. I mean, that is amazing to me, the value, uh, that right off the bat. Jimmy Garoppolo. Mm. 
got couple two, good ones, right? two studs that were like team favorites for so many teams I talked to, Paul, where they were like, nobody wanted to draft these guys in the first round. Or Which maybe couple are you talking Debo about? Debo Samuel okay. and Jalen Hurd, the ex-running back from Tennessee who made a career decision to get out of running back right. and play receiver at Baylor. Those are two guys, if I had a dollar for every scout or front office person that asked me or said something positive about How them, many would you have? I would have a lot of money. I would Six, have, I would have made them over $100, I think. <laughs> <laughs> they, were, they were love affair guys where I think everybody saw, oh, these guys can bring something special to the team. I don't know if they're worth a top 40 pick, but they're going to be awesome in the NFL. And Kyle, I think, just said, no, Debo Samuel, I need this position. I like him. I'm going to draft him at the top of the second round. And Jalen Hurd, the same thing. I just think those are steals for, for those guys uh, for where they got them. Also got a do. giant tight end uh, from Stanford, Caden Smith. Yes, Caden Smith is a good football round. player. Yeah. Um, those are the two. That, that was the ones that most jumped out to me. Did you want? Did you guys want more there? That's all I got for I think you. that's good. I okay, that counts good. for the first burning question. Second one, a player's slide that made you shake your head. Um, Greedy Williams. Okay, Greedy second, Williams. Second round, right? Second round, pick 46. Yeah. My man Thanos had to come up and get him. John Dorsey. He had to come out Avenger style and, and make a steal. But, yeah, first of all, Gritty Williams is the best cover corner in the draft. And if you were watching TV when he was drafted, nobody disagreed with that. He was the seventh one taken. Seventh one taken. At, and, at, and he's your best. My best corner. And I'm not changing that. What's I, the disconnect there? The disconnect and what it drove me crazy, and I'm glad you brought me to this, mm-hmm. was his tackling. Mm. Mm. I know. Because, you know, Deion Sanders got elected into the Hall of Fame because <laughs> of his tackling. Yeah. Same with Daryl Green. Uh, same with Champ Bailey. I, I, you know, tackling was really the thing that got him over the hump. No, we don't ever talk about tackling with top cover guys. That's the dumbest crap ever. I mean, unless you're using him as a nickel slot guy and he's got to be Rondé Barber or somebody like that that's got to be good in coverage and then also stop the outside run, sure, tackling's important. Gritty Williams is not that guy. He's an outside island type corner who's going to cover the outside receivers and you're going to go, damn, our guy's tall and fast as hell and we trust him one-on-one against anybody. So to me, that's where the draft, again, overanalyzing stupid crap that none of us will be talking about four years from now will be Gritty Williams tackling. It's not going to be a topic, but it could very well be he's one of the best shutdown man-to-man corners and I got to give the Browns a lot of credit for making that move in the second round again. Him. Six teams that wanted a corner said, no, we're going to pass on him and take somebody else. I don't get it. Pretty crazy. I don't get it. Maybe I'm wrong, and again, I'll, I'll say I'm an idiot if that's, that's <laughs> what happens. Team that deserves a walk of shame after what they did in the three-day draft. Oh, gosh. I don't know if I really know if there's a team that I look at it that deserves a walk Got to be at least shame. one. I mean... A prideful walk of shame. I don't, I mean, a yeah. lessened, diluted walk of shame. You know, I mean, I thought everybody's – I hate to be so positive with the draft, but no, I'm not going to let anybody push me into that. Who allowed I, this question on? I don't think there's anybody that needs to be walk of shame. I didn't look at anything egregious and go, ooh, that was so stupid. And let me just double check here <laughs> as I pull up things just walk to make shame, sure Paige. I didn't mess anything up. But I don't think there's anything that jumped out to me to where I said – that was so ridiculous. This team voided a certain area of their football team. I don't have one, so sorry. Okay. Not going down hateville here. As long as we're going back to college with our terminology for the burning questions, a GM that you would buy around for? Oh, gosh. I got a few there, okay? 
All right, so the first one is um, my man um, Gutenkust, okay. Green Bay. Green Bay. Yep. I talked about it a little on Friday. I mean, Darnell Savage or Rashawn Gary in the first round, okay. That's off the chain, okay. But I gotta, there's a few other picks that I got to give a shout-out to with Green Bay. Sorry. Two seconds. There it is. Pull up the teams. Okay, I I'm love that. I'm as well. Get Elting Jenkins, the center from Mississippi State, who, who has a chance to be a starter for them early on. And then one of my favorite tight ends, Jay Sternberger from Texas yeah. A&M. He is going to be – you had him uh, in the in my the Robin Hood, one, right? right? I yeah. had him at the end of the first round to the yeah. New England Patriots. So that's where I viewed him as. I might obviously I was wrong with how I had him, but I really like what he brought. Okay, um, how about the the Bills? Okay, I really like what the Buffalo Bills did the draft. Brandon Bean continues to impress me to be one of the best GMs in all of football. What's your favorite thing about there? Well, drafts? I love that Oliver at nine. You know yeah. that yeah. Cody Ford. I mean, at number at number six pick in the second round. Offensive lineman. Offensive tackle, who I think has a chance to be franchise, big-time talent. Devin Singletary, a little bit of a third-down scat running back to come out of the backfield, who has some LaShawn McCoy-type moves in open space. Dawson Knox, the tight end in the third round. He is a a tractor trailer as far as run blocking at the tight end position who has potential to be something in the pass game too. So I looked at that as a great pick and then got Voshan Joseph, a middle linebacker in round five, who I could have sat there and argued that he was the third or fourth best running back in the draft for all the guys that I watched. So I thought they killed it. That's an expensive round you're buying there. I know it is. A that is a lot of, lot of like. I, yeah. that, so I mentioned the Packers, the Bills, the Colts are another team that jumps out to me. Again? I mean, Johnny Ballard. Last pick, year they were terrific. I, B- Ballard is amazing. You know, I, I, he stands in a class of his own a little bit. Him, you know, John Schneider with the Seattle Seahawks, Belichick, Howie Roseman. I mean, to me, those guys are, are right now in a little bit of a different, like, they're playing chess and everybody else is playing checkers when the draft's concerned. But the Colts, the guys they got. Seven other first-day picks defense. Yes. And good corner in Rocky Sin. Ben Benagu from TCU, freaky athlete off the edge. Paris Campbell, you know why I like him. Bobby Okariki, we saw him play against yeah. Notre Dame. Kind of a player. Yeah, yeah, in between the tackles, thumper at middle linebacker. Love that. So, uh, yeah, that was amazing. And I think the last one I got to give credit to is the Seattle Seahawks. I mean, the Seattle Seahawks, John Schneider just, again, to me, showing his ability to build through the draft, why they didn't want to sign Frank Clark to big money and repeat some of the – L.J. Collier, I love. Marquise Blair, their second-round safety, Paul. I'm telling you, he's as close as you're going to see to Cam Chancellor, who's come down in the draft wow. a few years. Yeah, he is, he is looking to rip people's head off. Then to get D.K. Metcalf. Okay, I love all that. But then I get down into mid-round picks that jumped out to me. Ugo Amadi from Oregon. They needed a kind of a nickel cover guy. He's got a chance to be something special at that position. Travis Homer, the running back from Miami, where again, running backs get too evaluated sometimes on if one guy has a hole and one guy doesn't have a hole, we somehow think the guy that has the hole is better automatically. <laughs> Look at it, he ran for yards. Okay, that's great. His hole was the size of a tractor trailer to go through. <laughs> it's not fair to knock the other guy who has no hole and gets no yards. 
because nothing's there. That's not fair. Every time I saw a hole for Travis Homer, yeah. zoom, he was one of the better running backs, I thought, in the draft. So those are teams to me that I think I would buy rounds for those GMs. You should have used Big Phil's voice there. That's when it would have worked. Oh, right? <laughs> yes, it would have. You're right. For some reason, he didn't show up. I don't know why. All right, next burning question. Team that quietly crushed it. You've been so positive today. Yes, okay. It's hard to be it's hard to find someone that we've been quiet about. Yeah, I know, you're right. I, okay, I thought that the Cardinals quietly crushed it. All we talk about is of course uh, Kyler Murray, okay? But that would be one team I would go right off the bat. Getting a nickel corner in Byron Murphy. Getting the slot receiver in Andy Isabella. And those are both second-round picks. Exactly yep. right. Zach Allen in the third round, who's like a big defense end slash defensive tackle type position they kind of need. Got the biggest receiver in the draft. And Hakeem Butler. You like him? I, I do. I think there is some potential there. He's at the very least going to be an amazing 50-50 jump ball, red zone type of target. The I mean, Miles Boykin type body. Exactly right. Yeah. That kind of guy. Exactly right, Paul. Maybe not as polished and mm-hmm. finished as he is yet, but uh, does some breathing things. And then to get Deontay Thompson, a safety from Alabama in the fifth round, I just looked at that and went, ooh, that was quietly really good. Um, you know, I, I mentioned – the Jaguars, okay? The Jaguars, the biggest, meanest team in football, just got bigger and meaner, okay? I mean, you get Josh Allen in your lap at seven. Are you kidding me? About If there was one team in football that didn't need more D-line talent, <laughs> was them. Then. then to get Jawan Taylor in the second round, I mean, you just go, holy cow, the team that would beat everybody up in a bar fight in the NFL <laughs> is going to increase their bar fight. Josh Oliver, a really impressive tight end in the third. They got a... Leonard Fournette clone, I think, and Raquel Armstead at a temple. You know I was I liked a whole lot of, at running back. So that was another group I looked at as quietly awesome. Um, I have all, more, but no, I don't no. know how long we want this to go. Let's move on to the next okay. one. Uh, it's a good one. Iowa tight end oh, in baby. a better position to succeed. So you have TJ Hawkinson, 8 to Detroit. Yeah. Fance at 20 to Denver. Both are in amazing positions. Both are with t- tight end friendly teams. So I don't even know how I'm going to answer this yet. What's so your definition of tight end friendly? My okay, that's a, coaches that put emphasis on the position and orchestrating plays for that position to be involved in the game plan on a week-to-week basis. I think that's where I'd look at it. And I go one with T.J. Hawkinson, Jacksonville. I mean, Tom Coughlin, New York Giants, Doug Marone's an old line coach, John DeFilippo who came from Philadelphia and saw what Zach Ertz does. I think there's great value on the position. Marone values a tight end that can block too, just like a Tom Coughlin does. So he is going to be in a position to succeed. to Detroit. Oh, yeah, I totally messed up. Totally messed up. I'm totally messed up. So, wait, let me restart that. <laughs> really nice. actually doesn't change my initial thought, really. Yeah. Okay? No, and it's okay. Even if it, Going to Detroit, still, a team with Matt Patricia, TJ Hawkinson, okay? Yeah, they believe in the tight end play. I mean, they right. were in the conversation for Rob Gronkowski last year as far as uh, a trade partner. But, yeah, they are going to value – we saw a little bit with their change of culture – Two, two, two running backs in the backfield, downhill, smash-mouth football. You're seeing Matt Stafford, who went through a cultural experience last year and had a tough time adjusting to it. Well, you need a player like this to, okay, there's play action. Let me come up. Ooh, the linebacker subbed up. Oh, whoa, look at Brady. Brady gets to throw to a wide-open, nice tight end down the middle of the field every time. That'll be the same thing for him. So I think it makes a lot of sense there. I think if I gave the edge, though, I would give the edge to Noah Fant. 
being in Denver. I'm with you there as well. Yeah. For no other reason than the expectations. I mean, TJ had such high praise leading up to the draft compared to Gronk. Now he's with the coach, Matt Patricia, who was in the same building as Gronk. He's supposed to be awesome right away, whereas Noah Fant, 12 picks later. Yeah. If he's decent right away and gets himself to really good, it seems like that might be a better spot. No, yeah, I, I agree. And also, you know, uh, Daryl Bevel, the new OC up in, in uh, Detroit, yep. uh, I'm not going to lie, is not my favorite. Now, he does put a little emphasis on the tight end. He did have Jimmy Graham in Seattle, so he understands that. But I'm a little bit in the – he's got to prove it to me a little bit more. Yep. Where Denver, the points you made are just. Joe Flacco, we know, already loves to throw the tight end. Mm-hmm. And Scangarillo – Again, came from a place with Kyle Shannon, who just watched a tight end like George Kittle break the NFL record, right? right? So, yeah. to me, they're going to know how to use Noah Fant. Darrell Bevel, 18 and 19 in a game, 1993. 18 and 19 18 in a game? 18 and 19. Yeah, good for yeah. him. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I like Darrell. I didn't necessarily love right. him as an OC and, and uh, people get on me for that sometimes. To the Jets, do you think this will be Mike McCagnon's last draft as GM in New York? If you asked me this last week, I would have said no. I feel like actually that it became publicized actually might have saved him. I do think there was... How's that work? I I feel like... I don't know why. I feel like the the talk of it almost backfired in the Jets' face a little bit to where if they were going to make the move, people in the New York area are a little bit like, well, why? It's not been that bad since Mike McCagney is back here. The draft is pretty good, right? Has had a pretty good draft. Has had a lot of, like, pretty good drafts and had a pretty good free agency this year. I know it's not perfect, Mm -hmm. you know, as far as everything he's done. And I know people want to say, oh, some picks have fallen into his lap. But I do – I know – for a fact that this was a real possibility, that there was names being thrown around uh, with the New York Jets as far as replacements they wanted at GM. But I don't know this part of it. I just feel like like there was smoke there, and it's yeah. kind of like settled ever since it became a story this weekend. Okay. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, I don't I mean, have the answers to all of those things, but no, I do it's, know it's, that they were interested in letting him go and had other people on their right. radar who they wanted to hire. I do know that. It's all speculation to yeah. an unfortunate story, whether it you know yeah. turns out to be true or not. Are you okay with the Packers not drafting any wide receiver for Aaron Rodgers? I, I think you're going to say yeah because you said earlier you really liked what they did in the draft. I, I do. I, I think, you know, again, would I have liked to have seen them give him one more weapon they got the oh, tight end. They do. They got the, the Sternberger yep. from A&M, who I really like. Okay. I think some of these younger guys, uh, you know, Equinemus, St. Brown, Valdez, Scantling, I think they value these guys as players to come up, you know, through the pipelines here in the future. The biggest thing I look at, though, is it, it, I don't, they helped Aaron Rodgers. For the first time ever, he's not going to have to be the guy that carries the team. The defense might be able to win a 20 to 17 game or a 17 to 14 game. I mean, their defense to me has made drastic improvements this offseason to where I want to go, gosh, they have the capability to be like a top five defense just the way it looks on paper and the defensive coaching staff that I already liked before this. So, uh, yeah, I have no problem with the fact that they didn't do it. You know, they used their picks wisely and I think got good players that at least helped the football team. Aggressive in the first round, too, to add the safety in addition to Rashawn Gary. You know it. Those are two man crushes. That's I mean, they just gave me more incentives to root root for Green Bay as we go along. But, yeah, I I love the – Dexter Williams, that's the one I wanted to bring up about. They got Dexter Williams in the sixth pick. Right. Six-round pick. Potential home run hitter. Potential. Yeah. You and I watched a lot of games the last two years. That guy mm-hmm. breaking runs, and, and he's explosive. He needs to brush up his pass protection skills yeah. a, a little bit. Yes. And maybe 
when nothing's there, just smash your head in there and get two yards and don't go negative two. Right. But there is big play potential with, uh, with, with our man Dexter Williams. Yeah, Big-time difference maker he yeah. was last year. Yes. Okay, scale of 1 to 10, how happy do you think Jimmy G is with the selections of Debo Samuel and Jalen Oh, Hatton? gosh. I mean, going 10? he might have asked another porn star out on a date that night. I don't know. I mean, he was <laughs> definitely like, that's, that's, that's like, that's, that's a that's 9. I'm going to give it a 9. Okay. Okay, I'm going to yeah. give it a 9. Because he probably could be like, why didn't we trade that, 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 uh, the herd pick and get back into the second round and take DK Metcalf? That's, a, that's where I'd like to bust my buddy Kyle Shanahan on. But, no, those are two awesome picks mm-hmm. for a position of need. You know, the 49ers, again, you know, Kyle orchestrates his wide receivers to where they have their kind of definitive roles. And you do have to have this. You know, he's got Marquise Goodwin. Hey, yep. you're going to be the guy that takes the top off the defense. He's not going to ask Marquise Goodwin to do dirty work over the middle. Why? Because it's not realistic to ask right. him to be successful at that. So he's got that guy to do that. He's got a Dante Pettis who can do a little bit of everything. Go over the middle, run routes, beat you deep. Now he's got two junkyard dogs who not only can be – I look at these guys like a Muhammad Sanu who he had in Atlanta where they're guys that are – Oh, the safety's down in the box. Come in here. We're running that way. Block that safety. Debo, Samuel, Hurd, they're going to throw their head in there like they're fullbacks. They're going to add that. But then the play action over the middle that Shanahan's so great at, these are guys that can catch the ball over the middle, break a tackle, make a guy miss, and get 25 extra yards to where, yeah, it makes life very easy on the quarterback. You know, I love how he does that because New England does the same thing with defensive backs. They play matchup football. That's what I love about what they did in the draft. They got a Joe Jawan Williams. Maybe not the sexiest guy in the second round out of Corner Vanderbilt. Vandy, yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, we watched him a little bit again when Vandy played Notre Dame this year. 6-2, you know, ran like a high 4-5 or it might have been even a low 4-6. But New England has a plan as far as how they match up their DBs. They don't just go, oh, you're the starting corner all year long and you go out there. The only guy on their team that's like that is Stephon Gilmore. The rest of them, it's what is the receiving core we're playing this week? Mm. And how do we match up? Oh, it's a bunch of small guys? Well, we'll play our smaller unit this week. Right. Oh, it's bigger guys? And I need somebody to, to, to cover Travis Kelsey? Oh, Joe Jawan Williams. That's why we drafted. You're a tall big fucker. Go out there and cover the tight end. That's big too. Right. And, and that aspect is what's the beauty of New England, how they do that to their defense. I'm just counting the number of picks New England had because, as usual, they had a lot of trades uh, Bill pulled off and piled up picks one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. And it also stands out, and again, you, you've worked for, for this organization, so you know, is it a coincidence that every single one of their picks, they're either from the SEC, the Big 12, or the Big 10, and they pretty much hit every position, as I'm looking at here. They really did, Except right? tight end, except linebacker, and except kicker. Everybody, every other part of the game got touched. Hit, hit a little bit of everything, building for depth. I do think there's certain teams that Bill has his eyes on. I would certainly say Bill favors the SEC because Bill's old, old school. And just right. what we saw with his team this year. They want to overpower you, New England. They're back into that mold of big O-line, big D-line. And the SEC and Big Ten, there's nothing better as far as a a college conference out there than those two. Vanderbilt, Alabama, Arkansas, Auburn, Ole Miss, and that's just the SEC. Right. You throw in Michigan. Yeah. Uh, throw in West Virginia, Arizona State. Is yep. it, again, is it coincidence or you think that they target that kind of I place? think they target certain coaches, certain cultures in college football. 
Yeah. Uh, and it's not foolproof. You know, every now and then there's going to be a culture they might not like, but they're just going to go, damn, this guy's really good and we got to have him. He fits our culture, so we'll take him. But I do think, yeah, there's a reason why we saw years of Urban Meyer Florida guys on their team. Right. And Greg Schiano Rutgers guys on their team because he went, you know what, those two head coaches – they're like me. They expect a lot out of their players. They make them work hard. They have to be detailed on a daily basis, and they're physical in practice. Like these, these guys are coming from teams where they're not going. Well, we have to put full pads on on a Wednesday. I don't want to have to do that. He doesn't want that crap. Right. He wants oh, full pads. Okay, yeah, let's go out and play football. You can only practice in full pads what, like nine or ten. Yeah, times now it's totally changed. Yeah. But yeah, New England's just amazing. Uh, like I said, they they're on another level. Like I said with Howie Roseman, John, you know, John Schneider, and C. Seattle, Ballard, yeah. uh, they, they, again, they don't draft the best player available. Mm-hmm. They find the best player available for the need they have. The they, and yeah. if that doesn't coincide, that's when you see them trade down. And because if there's a player they need, okay, and then there's a mid where the value of the player is, if it's so far off and skewed, oh, trade down. It's going to acquire more picks, and we'll get we'll get it over. But Nikhil Harry is going to be awesome for them. Joe Jawan Williams is going to have a role. Chase Vinovich, right? I yeah, mean, like come that on, too. that's Johnny Uning- New England right there. He's going to be, <laughs> you know, uh, seems like he seems like he'd fit a Ninkovich type of guy, and you know that's what he's going to be. The home run it would be there. Right. Put away the uh, written questions there. All okay. Right? Going off script here. Oh, okay. Things just popping into head. Yeah. We're at NBC. The Olympics are, are large here. Always. Gold, silver, bronze. One, two, and three. Gold, silver, bronze. Who okay. gets your gold? Gold, silver, bronze. You guys are catching me off guard today. What a bunch of jerks you, you are. You don't need to look down at your I notes. I got to look at my notes. I do. Okay. I got to look at my damn notes. Okay. In the, in the, the Olympic medal section there. Um, I want to give, I mean, I tend to want to go to just the teams that I thought killed it in the draft. That's yeah. where I want to really go to. And to me, that's where I want to go Bills, Colts, Seahawks. That's three. I need one. You need one? One for gold. One for gold. Yeah. We need some sequential here. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to give gold to the Seattle Seahawks. There you go. For the okay. most picks? For the most picks, trading down and really – you know, again, I know my opinion doesn't matter, but guys that have fit, fit needs, yeah. and I think guys that have chances to be special. Like, I didn't look at these and guys go, oh, they just filled a need. I went, ooh, they filled a need, and this guy has some traits to be a superstar. That's what I like about some of their picks. So you, your gold is Seattle. Your gold is Seattle. Silver, Silver I think I'm going to give to – the Buffalo Bills. Okay. Yep. I mean, when you get Ed Oliver and Cody Ford, like two of the best offense and defense alignment in the draft and in the first two rounds, yes, I got to give you a lot of props there. I thought their top five, five picks in general were kind of uh, off the charts as far as what they did there. So I'm going to give them the silvers. I just want to make sure I got all the names right there. But, yeah, Knox, Voshan, jo- jo- Joseph, uh, Devin Singletary. And then bronze, yeah, I'm going Colts. Colts are getting my bronze. Okay. I mean, doesn't have a first-round pick, trades out of the first round, ends up with three second-round picks. And again, seven out of the first eight picks, defense. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Just, and just killed it. I mean, I just think he got guys that, yeah, they might have not been the sexiest names, but guys I looked at, at least in this evaluation process, where I went, ooh, this guy has a chance to be something here. And Ballard has a special eye for that type of player. He does. I mean, Darius Leonard was all pro. 
out of South Carolina State, second-round pick. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that just speaks to his resume. We talked about the quarterbacks, and you, you, you like me, you, you like the fit. Well, who'd you, what, what was your gold, bronze, and silver? I don't have the uh, gold medal select section of my, of my notebook there. Good. Okay. <laughs> Moving on. But anybody jump out? Anybody that you loved overall where you're just like, ooh, I really like that pick? Or was anything that I'm got gonna, you really sexy? It's okay. Take your time. You pull out through the teams. Your, uh, com- your computer. I'm old school. I have, I have the actual pull, pull out the teams. printouts here. And I'm, this is a podcast, so we can always cut out dead time. So don't worry. This is not live TV. We haven't talked a lot about Atlanta, and we talked about them on Friday. Okay. And I really like what they did for Matt Ryan. Again, we'll see if the guys can play. Yep. But two offensive linemen in round one. I get you. There. I I'm, think he can play at a high level for a long time, so you're helping him there. I like the running back, Cadre Olison yeah. from Pittsburgh, that they got in the fifth round. Little power guy to go with Devontae Freeman. We saw him play during the season, so, uh-huh. so that is good. He is damn good. I like what Denver did, getting Drew Locke in the, in the second round. Yeah. I would have felt different if they would have gone quarterback in the first, but right. something just changed. When you address other needs earlier, they had two picks before him. Right. When you wait till the second round, it just – the expectation level, the fact that you served other needs with higher picks, uh, I, I feel better about that there. The move of the draft, round. if I had to give a gold medal move of the draft, I'm giving that to the Pittsburgh Steelers. I am. We talked from, about that Friday. From going 20 to 10. To get the inside linebacker. To, like, yeah. to where there's only two guys that could have fit the Ryan Shazier mold in this whole draft. And it was the two Devons. And they got one of them. And I would say it was the biggest need for their football team overall. The fact that they made that trade and got it done and got a stud middle linebacker to replace the Shazier factor, mm-hmm. I think is huge for their football team and their defense. To the quarterbacks. And I'll answer this one first. We, yeah. we went over a number of these situations that clearly we liked. We right. A lot of guys are walking into a building where they're going to have a real chance. Yep. I like, if I had to pick out one, I like Ryan Finley to the Bengals in round four mm-hmm. for a couple of reasons. Uh, round four, not a lot of pressure right away. Yeah. In fact, maybe no pressure right away. Right. Andy Dalton, the little I've been around him from the time he was back at TCU, I think he's going to be a really good mentor. Yep. And you want the developmental quarterback to be in sync with the new head coach. Zach Taylor is there. He wants Ryan Finley to work out. So I think of all the quarterbacks, I say, I wish I was that guy yeah, you at age 21, 22. I'd pay money to be him right. for the next couple seasons. It is a good spot. Ryan Finley's my guy there. Yeah, okay, I have? like that. Uh, I, I'll say this. this is, it's sad and happy all to get, together as far as I love McCole Hardman being tra- drafted by the Kansas City Chiefs. He's going to be the Tyree Kill replacement. I mean, they had to move up in the second round, I think, because they realized they're in deep crap with Tyree Kill, which they should be. And McCole Hardman was one of my crushes of the draft. He was one of my Robin Hood guys where, yeah, yeah he has that type of skill set. Like, McCole Hardman could be the guy we're seeing – uh, uh, Patrick Mahomes throws 70-yard bombs to on a regular basis. He has that type of talent. I love that. I want to just throw some love out to a few other people that we didn't get to, too. The Hey, how about the Panthers? They got their starting defense end and Brian Burns in the first round. They got a starting left tackle in the second round and Greg Little out of Ole Miss. I thought that was phenomenal that it jumped out to me. The Chargers, Tillery at the end of the first, get Adderley, the Delaware safety at the end of the second. Two big positional needs for their team and their defense. They got two starters right away. Day one, they're going to be thrown in there. They're going to be starting. Uh, So I just wanted to show some love to them. And then after that, I'm kind of done. Other than that, I think the Raiders and Mike Mayock, who we didn't talk about enough here. Yes, they overdrafted for Cleland Farrell uh, at number four, mm-hmm. but I'm never going to be mad at 
you know, a team taking in some player that they truly believe in. I love that. But the rest of what they did, I think, they got their Alvin Kamara and Josh Jacobs. They got their John Lynch and Jonathan Abram, okay? I'm take, making Tampa references. But Abram is a strong safety, going to knock your head off, going to add attitude to the defense, which I know what John Gruden like. Got Trayvon Mullen, the corner I liked and had number two out of from Clemson. In the high in the second round. Second round, yeah. He's a guy that I looked at, and again, I put value into how you can cover man-to-man. And other than Greedy Williams, I thought Trayvon Mullen was the second-best cover corner in the draft. And then get two value picks in the fourth and fifth round. It's where i got to give Mayock a lot of credit. Foster Moreau, tight end at LSU. Uh, kind of a, a big road-grading blocking tight end but has some physical attributes to develop into a pass-catching, dual-threat type of guy. So mm-hmm. I like that, what they did in the fourth round. And then got Hunter Renfro, yeah. another white boy supreme from Clemson. Tremendously productive at per- Clemson. Tremendously. Yeah, he was. Yeah. Just look at Adam Humphreys, who just got signed by the Tennessee yeah. Titans, the yeah. four years, $36 million. It's the same type of player. It's the right. same guy. So I just looked at that, and I wanted to give uh, old Johnny Gruden and Mike Mayock some love. I want to pile onto that one, too, because we'll see if, if all these players turn out. But the cool thing about what Mike did, and I had the chance to work with him for, for 10 years while he was evaluating these players. I saw how he did it, and he was so himself in that role when he was – the draft evaluator on television. He had his way. He had things he liked about players, things he didn't like. And he didn't change a single bit going from the TV guy he did not. to the GM. Every single one of these picks. That's his mold, right? Exactly. I know. I know. I, I, I can picture sitting with him in a, in a hotel in Mobile before Senior Bowl. The way he described these players, the way he described the players he liked in 2006 or in 2012, yeah. way back when. So um, being true to himself, I think that's great because that change in job you know, could have affected a lot of people. But maybe these players don't work out. But he stayed true to what he likes in the Yeah, I, I agree. And, you know, and again, even with the pick at number four where, uh, you know, yeah, do I, I criticize it being a little high. But at the same time, I when they picked it, I was like, oh, I could totally picture Mayox, like evaluation. Yeah. Like, yeah. Guy works hard, plays hard every snap, good against the run, good mm-hmm. against the pass, a leader in the right? locker room. Yeah. I've heard that speech on the NFL Network many yeah. a times, and I, I totally get it. And, again, it's about it was more than just a player. It's about the culture the guy was going to Completely. bring. Yeah. To the defense and the defensive line, and, and I get that as well. 2029, 10 years down the road. Yeah. You're going to look back and say this player was the very best pick. Could be a first rounder, could be a sixth rounder. This guy was the best pick of the entire draft. Um, I think that it's going to be between, I, if you made me bet with two people here, I'm going to pick two names two. Quinnen Williams and Ed Oliver. I think those are the two guys I look at and go. A couple of AFC mm, East defensive yeah, linemen. Yeah, I just, I just, man, I just look at that Ed Oliver with that coach, McDermott, defensive genius. They need the position. Their defense is already good. Like, I think he can have one of those rookie years where we go, whoa, this is like, it's week nine, and he's already defensive rookie of the year. We've, right. we've already cemented it. It's over. Uh, he has a chance to be that. Can the draft go rounds eight, nine, and ten so we can, you know, do have a little more, more material? A couple days. No, yeah. I don't want to watch any more film on any more players. You're I'm done? filmed out, so no thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Miss Lippy. <laughs> well, my man. We did it. Yeah. That was fun. Yeah. You're coming yeah. back Wednesday, right? I've been told that. All right, good. You yeah. better be here. We're gonna have uh, Big Phil on Wednesday. Okay. For sure. Awesome. Okay, so it's been a while. I know. And we're gonna have Jeremy Tunsil. 
Le Did I just say Jeremy? What if we Laramie could get Jeremy Tunsil. and Laramie on? <laughs> huh? That would, that be, would awesome. be amazing. Yeah. But Laramie Tunsil from the Miami Dolphins, franchise yep. left tackle. You hung out with him, right? Yep, hung yep. out with him. It was a lot of fun. So I we'll bet. have that for the Wednesday podcast. And, of course, we're going to keep everybody up to date with all the breaking news and whatever's going on in the NFL. Yeah. Hey, thanks as always, man. Good to see you, man. You're my homie. Yep. Uh, that's for Paul Burmeister. I'm Chris Sims. Peace out. You know where to find me. Talk to you on Wednesday. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.